Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I am your host, Brennan Tassif. As always, the format of the show, I actually have a wonderful guest today. So with the show, we're going to either it's me just ranting and raving about stuff, or I will have a guest in and we will talk about just life, what's going on, comedy, drinking stories, all sorts of fun stuff. My guest today is going to be the infamous Daisy Tackett. What's going on, Daisy? Not too much. Uh, I'm excited to be here, um, even though it does go against my stated stance of no more men having podcasts. <laughs> I am happy to be here uh, because I do think you are the exception. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm excited. Um, long day of doing nothing at work. So good. Well, yeah. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> um, Daisy is a local comedian here in Jacksonville, but you've done comedy all over. Uh, yeah, yeah. I started doing it in New York, and yep. and we're gonna get that. into all of that. But first, plug anything you want to plug. Any upcoming shows, dates, social media, whatever you got. Um, this Sunday, I'm gonna be doing a spot at Veterans United Brewery. Sunday. Yeah, that's the seven seventeenth. No, I thought the show was always on Saturday. That's on Sunday. Okay, I was told Sunday, so I could be wrong. Um, and then I've got um, on social media. You can follow me at Fat Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Fat Steve Buscemi everywhere. Uh, that's that's Instagram. That is Twitter, and that's also my TikTok now. Oh, you're on TikTok. I am on TikTok. You're on the talk. Yeah. I've been avoiding the talk. Oh, it's really fun. I made one offhandedly. To- oh, you did. I do remember when you went on TikTok because you posted it on your Facebook, and it was yeah. Hilarious. I there was like an NYU student who made this insufferable TikTok where he was like, look at all these great things I did. And I did this fancy degree program, and I lived in the best dorm, and my parents have a lot of money, so I got to do all this cool stuff. And then it made me really angry. So I made one with the exact same script as his, but then I just used my photos from my NYU experience, (laughs) and it's like dead trees, trash, (laughs) trash on the ground. My dorm with no AC and also uh, extensive rodent problem, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. all the teens on TikTok were like, do you mean that I shouldn't go to NYU? Oh, really? And I was like, this is not a this is not a college advice TikTok. This is a I'm dunking on Ben Neely TikTok. Shouts out. <laughs> shots fired. Ben Neely. Come get some. We're in Jacksonville. Oh, and he, and he commented and he was like, haha, so funny. And I was like, we have mutual friends and I know that you're annoying. So, yeah. So, how do, so I've heard that with the way TikTok works is that it, um, almost like your first couple of talks, it kind of like blows them up to like everyone almost to make it like, oh my God, look at all these views I've gotten. So you keep doing it. Is yeah. that the case? I, I haven't been honest. Is that the um, case? I mean, I think for me, that was definitely the case because that was like the probably the fourth one I'd ever made. But it also what I've noticed is the more work you put into it, the more views you get. Mm-hmm. So if you have a TikTok that has like you use one of their elements, like their green screen function or their filters that might put it in front of more people. Um, if you like add a lot of captions and text and you use okay. the hashtags so and everything, like, if, if you're using the app, the algorithm, pushes yeah, it. if I just make a video and I'm like, Hey, what's up? It's Daisy Tackett. I'm super hot and have perfect politics. 
then <laughs> it's it doesn't it won't necessarily broadcast that. Yeah. For some people it will, but if you and but no, you got to like put the work in. Yeah, because that's what uh, Ben did. Ben blew up on TikTok. Yeah, like blew up. I was telling we were me and Marcus were talking about it. We did a show. Uh, Marcus was on the show at Ace Arena, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because whenever he mentioned like. Who knows me here from TikTok? Everyone was like, yeah. Or like, no, he said, who knows, who here knows me from the table? And everyone went nuts. But apparently he does it on TikTok and Instagram and everything. Interesting. Um, But I was just like, oh, this guy's like internet famous now. Well, he always had a huge following on Facebook and Twitter before that, I think. But yeah. I, I never wanted to get into TikTok until I saw that. And then I was like. It's such a powerful, yeah, awesome tool. And. I've been like messing around with it, doing different stuff now. But the therapist one you did was hilarious. How I feel before I go into therapy, and then how yeah. I feel after therapy. That one, <laughs> I really that one wanted got that me. one to be better. And then I did a whole one where, uh, kind of about how this woman on next door had been, <clears throat> like making fun of, or not making fun of, making hostile remarks about somebody, like some communist teen blasting music out of her car. Yeah. And um, so it's like kind of it unfolds and it's me trying to decode the mystery and then it's me end up I realize it's me. It's you it's, doing it. I have the Bernie sticker on the car. I've got yeah. I'm like blasting the Smiths at full volume. <laughs> I'm like, OK, yeah, it's it's me. <laughs> yeah. So um, Daisy, like I said, is a, a comic here in Jacksonville. Um, you were voted best in 904 am i am i right on that yeah number one in the 904 from void magazine um i got some stickers when you posted it i'm not gonna lie to you i thought you were like making fun of it no because with the (laughs) pandemic and and i know you and your humor i was like oh look at daisy right i I was like i wonder who won it i wonder who she's ripping on and then i was like (laughs) oh oh she won she won i won one yeah (laughs) because i know sometimes you like to you like to go after that kind of like stuff. Yes, I do. Yeah. No. Um, and now I am fully uh, defending the system. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> it works. It you works. Won it. I won. So um, I when I came back into comedy um, in 2018, like everyone on this that listens to this podcast knows, uh, I met you, I think, outside of Rain Dogs one night. Yeah, probably. And as is, um, you and I have talked about this, obviously, but as is the case, I thought, oh, this woman hates me. <laughs> just because I um I said I know I've said this to a lot of people uh, um but I was like I when I first came back I was like I really don't think Daisy likes me because there were certain shows where you'd go up before me and at the time when I first came back a lot of stuff I would talk about was like college football and everything and then you would talk about how you were a college athlete and mm-hmm. then you know how certain things happened and how you like dislike the football players and stuff mm-hmm. and I was like I am so self-centered that I was like she's doing this on purpose <laughs> To burn everything I have to talk I, about. I have only used sets vindictively in that way, like maybe two times, oh, and really? never towards you. No, I and I, it was weird. And <laughs> but I do use them vindictively. I yeah, do. For I want sure. that on the record. <laughs> I mean, I do the same thing. When like if I if someone's following me and I know like that they're gonna do a bunch of hacky shit, I make fun of being a hacky comedian, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, go, I'll have fun. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm just so self centered, and that comes with being a recovering alcoholic. But I was just like, she's doing this on purpose, and then. The more I got to know you, the more I realized how much we have in common. We both studied political science at school. You went to, as you mentioned, NYU. I went to Florida Atlantic. Um, but we actually ended up having a lot more in common. Both were college athletes, Division One college athletes, shouts out. Yeah. But, um, but then I just realized, oh, 
maybe I should just have some more fucking material. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> talk about the same thing. And then, you know, we got to talking outside of Rain Dogs that one night. And then I was like, okay. Oh, we're cool. Yeah. Because in my head, and I, you know, this happens with, I'm sure with everybody, but I had never really talked to you. Mm. So I just had it in my head like, oh, she's like, it's me against her. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. She, she's trying to to torpedo my sets. So she's going to talk about these specific things. So when I get up there, everyone's going to be angry with me and then come to find out I'm just a psycho. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, you're not the only person that's told me this, that they were like, I'm pretty sure you hated me. And I mean, I, I hate a lot of people, but like <laughs> not that many people to where it's, you know, very few people I would say in comedy at large. Am I like, irritated with at any point um although i am sometimes but yeah. um well and that's understandable but that's... yeah i mean i think people find me intimidating oh, at very first much so. glance or like seventh through eighth glances <laughs> um and then when you talk to me i think it's a little bit more like oh she doesn't want to kill me or anything yeah and that was the thing with us was um i think we were just smoking or something and i was like all right i'm gonna get to the bottom of this. And then mm -hmm. you were like, what are you talking about? I was like, I know you hate me. And you're like, what? <laughs> this was years ago outside of rain dogs, but little things like that stick in my head because then, then I found myself because we ended up having so much in common and stuff. And I was like, then I found myself being like, no, Daisy's Daisy's my girl. Like yeah. if anybody would ever <laughs> like talk shit or if anything ever came up, I'm like, tack it. We get tack. Well, it. yeah. I mean, after I got in that incident with my ex boyfriend yeah. at the bar. Oh God, you got to tell that story. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was dating this dude, cheating on me the whole time. Um. Lied about everything. Like my favorite lie of his is that he told me that he invented the cocktail, the painkiller. Um. Yeah, this is totally Which his idea. Which was invented in like 78. Yeah. Yeah. That um, sounds like a 70s gotcha. <laughs> um, told me he invented that. I mean, it'd be little shit. Like, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting Waffle House for lunch. And then I'd go over and it'd be like Taco Bell bags. I'd be like, oh, why okay. didn't you just yeah, say yeah. you got like Taco Bell? Um, but the worst thing that I found out after is that he, <laughs> he started telling everybody that he did stand-up comedy. Uh-huh but specifically that he was doing the shows that I was on and actually in one case photoshopped his <laughs> like face and name over my own. Oh and, my God. and it's like, it would be kind of stuff like I won a competition in St. Augustine at Jackie Knights and he would then next day tell everyone, Hey, I won this competition at Jackie Knights, which it's like a, not something to really brag about at all, at all, at all. But B, it's like, you know, everyone was like, well, we can Google that and see that it's like not true. Like, yeah. there's no mention of your name plus comedy anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the weird thing with comedy. So when I came back into comedy, the internet was in full force because when I left, it was 2015. And then when I came back in 2018, like. Are you saying that the internet was not in full force? No, it in was. Let me rephrase that. I, my presence on the okay. internet, that's a better way to phrase it. Because, um, because I had gotten everything on social media as Brennan T. Comedy mm -hmm. um, because I had done a few open mics in South Florida. So I'm a comedian now. Right. Of course. That's so, how it works. Yeah. So back in like 2009 and 10, I had, ta I had gotten all these accounts under Brennan T. Comedy, but I never really used them. Like I only mm -hmm. like Twitter. I, I still it's so hard for me to remember to use Twitter. Like I always forget. Um, See, what you got to do is you got to think every time I have a thought. 
tweet it and then yeah. that's that's it that's the whole secret <laughs> don't even just, filter your thoughts just go just go shoot go. them out but um so i never really used any of that social media or anything like that and then when i came back in 2018 i was like all right i'm gonna take it more seriously i'm gonna start posting about shows i'm gonna start tweeting stuff i'm gonna start like but to your point now if you like if you googled me three years ago it's like mugshot mugshot college football college football mugshot college football but now it's all this just random comedy stuff yeah so anyone could have googled him and just seen like oh this guy's full of it yeah I mean, he doesn't even have like a LinkedIn profile. So like there's literally like nothing, nothing about yeah, him that even comes up. So do you want to talk about how you handled this situation? Yes. So um, <laughs> I had just had a show at. Just real quick. I don't mean to interrupt, but this was the turning point, I think, in our friendship. It really was. Um, Go ahead. So this was I had just done a show at Hyperion. We had we had. I had tried to break up with him like four or five times over the course of our relationship. And he just like, wouldn't let me. Um, and then this time I, I broke up with him finally after I found out about the cheating, everything. Then I find out a few days later about the whole Photoshopping comedy, whatever. And I find out on my way to the show and I start to get extremely angry on stage at the show. Yeah. Um, which I do on a regular basis. So I understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, uh, it's one of, you know, that was a set where I was like really excited and looking forward to it. So I actually brought my tripod to film. Yeah. I remember I was at that show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then my friend called me in the middle. So the tape is cut in half, but, <laughs> um, if you watch it, I mean, you can see, cause I, that's the first time I started doing the material about him mm-hmm. was at that show. And you can just see me. Yeah. he His name is Cooper, which is a dog name, as we all know. And my name is also a dog name, Daisy. Um, anyways. Um, so he, you can just tell on the stage. How so just increasingly. Angry. Yeah. Viscerally angry I am. And he works down at the Jack's Beach Bars. Um, also, he moved back recently. And oh, really? he is still a bar back there. Uh, so... Uh, and I have a lifetime ban for what I'm about to tell you all. So um, I head over to the bar he works at and I get a, uh, get myself a mango white claw and I sit at a table and he walks past me and just like completely acts like I'm not there, mm-hmm. which just pisses me off even yeah, more. Obviously. So then I get up and I go sit at the actual bar and he's like, what do you want? And, and I, he's just bar backing, so he's, he's just, just kind of running around, yeah, yeah, running around the bar. And he's like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Why are you telling people that you're like doing my comedy career?" Yeah. And he's like, "I've never done that." And I was like, "I mean, yes, you have. <laughs> like, I have screenshots of yeah. you doing that." And he starts like, he's like, "Whatever, you need to get out of here." Um. So I turn to the two girls sitting next to me at the bar. And I go, hey, did you know that we dated for six months? Um, but he uh, cheated on me the entire time. And the girls are like, what? And then he goes, we never even dated. Wow. Which. <sighs> After I caught him cheating, I actually recorded our conver- his apology conversation that we had because he, he was such a gaslighting yeah. idiot that I knew if I recorded it, I would like know for a fact what he said on that 
thing. So it's like everything he's saying, of course, absolutely contradicts. And that's infuriating because I know you and I, like I said earlier, are a little similar in this way. Like when you know what the truth is. And, and we see it in politics all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know what the facts are. Yeah. And people just blatantly lie. And I know when I was in school, it drove me oh, it dro- fucking it me bananas. Insane. And so for him to be like, we never even dated. And then it's like, okay, well, I have a, a literal conversation recording of you saying that, okay, yes, I acknowledge that we became exclusive on this date and we were dating. And then he's like, I love you. And I'm like, oh, so, okay. So we didn't do any of that. Yeah. Right. Um, it's someone else's voice. And I am, <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> I'm really worked up at this point. And he's like, um, you know, you need to, you need to get out of the bar. I'll pay for your drink if you hadn't already. <laughs> well, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, oh no, don't worry about it. I already paid for it with my comedy money. I'm sorry, your comedy money. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets super angry. And then his boss comes over and he's like, "What? What's going on? Like, you you should go." And I'm like, "He's a fucking sociopath. He's a pathological liar." And this is my favorite part. His boss goes, "Okay, that might be true, <laughs> but you still really need to leave." And I go, "Fine, I'm leaving." And um, we go over to the door. I say, "We." I go over to the door. He like sprints out behind the bar. And, like, starts to open the door and then grabs my arm yeah. and starts to shove me, which, I mean, I I hate being touched by people I don't know. I mean, very few people. You don't are, like being touched by people you know a lot I, of the time. Yeah. I mean, there's a very small hug list, an yeah. approved hug list. And, yeah, some people, like, a birthday present from me is a hug. And yeah. that's, that's a lot. Even people like myself who are on that list are still like, yeah. but, like, yeah. we do it still, I'm like, eh, I'm all right. Yeah. So I really hate being touched, and he also knows this yeah. very well. Um, he grabs my arm, starts to shove me, and just immediately my fight-or-flight response <laughs> is, I'm going to take a giant swing at his face. Yeah, fight. And I, when I graduated from NYU, I got this super obnoxious class ring. It's like a, it's one of the men's signet rings, so it's huge. Yeah. Um, Because all the women's ones looked like engagement rings. And it's like, I'm not marrying the institution of New York University. I am am graduating. Um, So it's huge. And I hit him right with my ring, right in the orbital bone. Hell yeah. Um, Which I wasn't even trying to do that. It's just a natural instinct. You got grabbed. Yeah. yeah. Um, And see, the whole thing is I wouldn't have gone into the bar unless I had gotten such an amazing parking spot. (laughs) um so you know how those streets at the beach bars are where they're like it's in between the bars on the way to to third yeah yeah um they're very narrow streets so i had gotten a spot right in front of the bar he works at like right in the pull-in like something that's usually never there on a friday night um i pulled in i went in then i realized i i had just punched him and i run out i get in my car and the first thing I do <laughs> is I message Brennan and I'm like, um, like what, what do I do? What's like, the protocol is, here? Is this a bar fight? Like what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, like asking for legal advice because I feel like Brennan out of everyone I know yes. would know. <laughs> I have been in many a bar fights, um, as a lot of the listeners already know, um, but yeah, you had messaged me and you mm-hmm. said, what do I do? And I yeah. said, are you still there? And we went back and forth and you're like, no, I left. I said, you cannot go back there. Yeah. Um, 
because what ends up happening, especially in a bar fight, is if you leave and no one catches you within a like, if as long as no one's like seriously hurt, if no one like finds you within a few hours, they're just like, all right. For in my experience, they're like, all right, forget about it. Yeah. So I was just telling you, I was like, wait and like leave, and then if you don't hear anything by tomorrow night, you're fine. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah. I don't think anyone, especially. Like if I got punched in the face by one of my exes for something I did, mm-hmm. I'm not reporting. Well, that. and I've also later found out this is not the only time this has happened to him. At work, I would assume. At work. Yeah. The way the bar the way the manager came over and was just kinda like Well, so because he is literally so horrible to everyone he dates, yeah. That there have been like at least three other altercations inside the bar because he he acts so poorly. But like that, my biggest concern was, of course, that he's like such a charming, disarming person. Yeah, he's a sociopath. Yeah, because he's a fucking sociopath that, you know, somebody would like that he would like talk his way into some other situation or whatever. And not that it was like very clearly me defending myself against yeah. being grabbed. Um I mean, I had a bruise on my arm from how hard he grabbed my arm. Yeah. And so. Well, and that's the thing, too, is with people like that is when the cops show up, they're very much like I'm like they can play that. I'm the victim here, card. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one who got punched in the face. And especially if he's got that kind of mentality, that's that. I think that was one of your biggest concerns was like the cops are going to get there and it's going to be on me and then I'm going to get in trouble for assault. Yeah, that was that was my biggest concern. Um, but now, you know, it's kind of funny now. Um you know, sort of. Uh, the the part I don't like is that he now tells people apparently that I am uh, physically abusive, which I mean, you land one punch on a guy, yeah, you, on accident, you get <laughs> you get one clean hit. Now all of a sudden, well, and it's like I mean, okay, I have literally hundreds of pages of screenshots of hours of audio recording that like prove that I'm not the crazy one. Yeah. And I know saying that makes me sound crazy, (laughs) you know, it just got to such a point in that relationship towards the end where I was like, I have to document everything or else I think I'm going to go absolutely insane. And that's incredibly um, interesting that you mentioned that because there are times where, um, and I know Tom Segura has the whole bit about uh, the first 48 where there are times where people, and I've experienced this in my own life, being arrested so many times, where people are like, I'm just going to talk to the cops. Like, I'm not going to go there with any evidence on anything, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go talk to them. It's like, no, you're going to do 25 to life. Yeah. Like, yeah. And because there are certain times where I've been in situations where, like, say somebody cuts me off in traffic and all this, or something like that, and I'm like, well, I could get angry, but I don't have any kind of proof right. that they did anything. Mm-hmm. So if I do something like yell at them, or like and flip out the situation and yeah. then the police show up and I'm six foot, two, you know, almost six foot two, 240 pounds. And I'm screaming at this person in their car. I'm getting arrested mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what I say because yeah. I'm the one getting arrested. Right. And I've had that experience before, like when I got arrested during for my second UI during the hurricane mm. because I, you know, started yelling at the manager of Walmart because he wouldn't let me in because they were closing because of the hurricane. So when the cops showed up, it's like, no, this guy is obviously but that's beside the point what i'm trying to say is that like if you don't have proof people just assume you're lying or you're the crazy one or something well and it's so easy to sell the crazy girlfriend narrative right like that is like your crazy ex-girlfriend yeah she's or the psycho boyfriend like yeah in my case yeah so it's just with 
um, with him, I just, I, at a certain point when I knew that things were going downhill and after I found out about the cheating, I was like, I'm going to document this so Mm -hmm. that I know what he said to me. And then later it just ended up being so beneficial and like getting over that whole situation. Cause it's like, I like listening to it. There's an hour long conversation we had after we had, you know, I found out about the cheating where it's like, he's telling me, he'll tell me one lie. And it's like, I already know that that's a lie because I've, I've already talked to the girl, her yeah. friends, my friends. I've already, I, I've gotten all the evidence from all the other people because um, everyone like hates this dude that yeah. knows him. So yeah. they're like, let's take him down, you know? Um, let's do this together. <laughs> and they're like, this is this is true female friendship and this is what feminiz- feminism is all about, you know? It's <laughs> like, we are united. Take him down. But so it's like, he'd say one thing and he'd be like, well, I was doing this. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's, I don't know about that. And then he would like dig himself deeper and dig himself. And I would repeat that process five or six times. And then finally the actual truth that I had been told from several other people would be uncovered. So, you know, um, you know, his new girlfriend now, good luck to her. Yeah. Well, Um, that's incredibly frustrating. She was accidentally my waitress um, a couple weeks ago. How, where, what? At Stonewood. Okay. It was really weird. I'd, well, so you know who she is. I know who she is. Um, I did a really good job of not, I think, oh, I don't know. I could have done a horrible job. I think I did a good job of not like revealing that I knew who she was. Yeah. And being very cool about it. I don't know if that's a political science thing or if that, because I do the same exact thing. You never let anybody know how much you know. Yeah. So I just completely, you know, averted um, but then the moment that she noticed me, she like recoiled in terror. <laughs> you might hit her in the face. I, I mean, apparently that's what I'm known for. So, um, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's whatever. But that is, that is an interesting story. And like I said, that's one of the biggest reasons, not biggest reasons, but that was one of the big events in your life that we bonded over yeah. because. Well, and I saw him again, like three weeks ago. Oh yeah, because you said he's, he's back. He's yeah. back, and um, my friend, uh, <laughs> we were leaving mangoes. It was for my friend's birthday. Yeah, and everyone was super drunk. I wore like eight inch heels, which <laughs> was like the dumbest thing I've ever done. I'm five ten for people who can't ascertain height through voice, but um, <laughs> very tall, very bad idea. I'm like tripping and falling, and he's out there emptying the mop bucket, and my friends see him, clock him, and they start like sprinting towards him like fuck you motherfucker i'm gonna end you (laughs) and he sees them he sprints inside locks the door oh god and two of my friends are pounding on the door of the bar looking at him through the glass door yeah and they're like i'm gonna eat you like i'm getting it was it was really heartwarming you know why That's awesome. It was a really pleasant experience for me. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like fun. So you did mention you went to NYU, New York University. Yep, go. Actually, I'm not sure what our mascot is. It's either the Violets or the Wildcats. Okay. Unclear. 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 It's a it's it's a D3 school, but they have one D1 team. Do you know what the one D1 team at NYU is? Softball. Worse. What? You got I me. Mean, I'm giving you one more crazy guess. Lacrosse. It's fencing. What? It's fencing. I would never would have guessed that. I know. It's yeah. It's D one fencing, and all the D one fencers are total dicks. Yeah, because they're fencers. Well, they're the only D one team at NYU, so they think they're automatically better than everybody. But else. that's not. I'm like, but you're fencers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but 
but you're fencing. It's I mean, not... I don't want to upset the fencing community, but you're not an athlete. I mean, you are, but you're like. I mean, it is like rowing, which is what I did. It is one of the easiest sports to get a scholarship for to do in college. But rowing is physical but rowing is like labor. a hard sport. Yeah, that's like yeah. you have to be. Like, I understand with fencing, you need to be coordinated and stuff, but that's like being like. Well, see, I have a very, I have very hot takes on what constitutes a sport or not. Okay. Um, I want to see if we line up on this. Go ahead. Because I think if it is, if it is like extreme physical exertion or um, a game of some kind, I think of that as a sport. So like track and field to me is a sport that you're, you're running a race. You're there. It requires like some sort of cardiovascular effort or like if you're playing basketball or tennis and it's, there's a game element to it, but like things that require a lot of skill, like to me, that's not necessarily a sport. That is like a competition. If, do you understand? No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And so, and also things that are judged on by judges I do not count those as sports because, because there's no clear, there's no objective yeah. rule. It's like in rowing, you either win or you, you lose. win or you lose. Or in basketball, if you foul, like that's a rule. You know that that's a rule. Yeah. Or there's all these different, like there's not there's all these like biases. Like I was listening to this great podcast about Tanya Harding, mm-hmm. and basically the reason why she did always did so poorly in or like kind of just narrowly missed sometimes was because the judges had all these like biases towards her. So yes. I don't, if there's a bias in the judging, I don't think it counts as a sport. No, I, I, I mean, I would totally agree with that. I used to, I dated a swimmer in college and the, the re I used to try to make her so mad. So my hot take was that, um, what you do is conditioning. It's not a sport. So that was my big hot take. So like, if, if what you do as your quote unquote sport is something I do mm-hmm. to stay in shape for my sport, yeah, that's not a sport. That's conditioning. Okay. Yeah. I just really honestly, I, I don't really believe that. I just kind of was <laughs> trying to make to her angry. Her yeah. yeah. But well, I think if it involves both like pure ability and technique, I think like you can't just have like one or the other. Yeah. So like in. You know, with golf, it's like I don't think anyone's born a natural golfer. Like, yeah, that's you have something to... you have to like learn that skill. Yeah, and that's a skill. But it's, you know, like with rowing, it's like you have to be built the right way to be good at it, and you also have to learn the technique. And you to, have like, to work at it to the maximize. Yeah, what yeah. you've what you have. So NYU, living in New York. How old were you living up there? This was um, towards the end of your college career. Yeah. Right? So I I was there my junior and senior year. I transferred there. Um, so I would have been 20. Okay. And what did you, you started doing comedy when you were in New York. So yeah, my senior year, um, what got you to do it? Was it, so I was in group therapy, Okay. um, and I was making a lot of jokes in group therapy as we do. Yeah. I do it at meetings all the time. Humor is my coping mechanism. Um, and other people thought it was funny. Like, it wasn't like anyone in the group was like, shut the fuck up, Daisy. Like, everyone really enjoyed it. But then one day, 
my therapist was like, maybe you should channel this into something that's not so distracting for the group. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should cut this shit out in my group. Yeah, and so much love to Christine. Love, love Christine. But um, yeah, so she's like, you should check it out. Um, And that actually coincided at the same time that my roommate invited me to a comedy show um, for one of her friends. And And the friend was doing comedy and Where all, was it at? Do you remember? It was at Gotham. Okay. Um, so there's um, for the listeners who don't know and who don't obsess over comedy the way some of us do. Uh, New York obviously is a hotbed for comedy, um, but there are a lot of shows. Like you sent me that list for open mics when I was supposed to move up there, and there yeah. are the most random times at some of the most random places. Oh yeah. But the shows a lot of people know about, the clubs a lot of people know about, are the Cellar, Gotham. Uh, stand up New York, Caroline's, Caroline's, Broadway. Um, yeah, Broadway. So those are the bigger clubs that everyone knows about. But there's hundreds of comedy clubs in New York. Oh, these yeah. little hole in the wall places you've never even heard of. So, but Gotham is a is a big club. So they're having a show at Gotham. Now, is yeah. this the Friends? Is this an open mic or is this a bringer? Or is so this... This, yeah, this is the um, graduation showcase for like a writing workshop. Okay. Um, and the friend crushed it but all these people went on before the friend and i was like this is dog shit um, yeah <laughs> I, what do you do oh my god i love <laughs> that you say that because there's so many times we go to shows and like showcases and stuff yeah especially if they're out of town and it's a bunch of comics you don't really know and you watch it going like the fuck are you doing and you know like they it was like dudes telling like oh no means yes <laughs> like kind of like sexual assault jokes yeah. and i was like okay i can be funnier than that yeah. and like i i can talk about these issues in a way that's like obviously cuz i make my group therapy laugh every yeah. day yeah, you yeah. know it's like i can talk about these issues and not be a total dick well um, yeah and that's the weird thing too is that there's there's certain ways you can craft a joke. Um, like I talk about a lot of dark stuff on stage as far as being an alcoholic, being a mm-hmm. I know you do too. And there's a way to craft those stories as to be funny. Because yeah. like you, my coping mechanism is humor. Right. Like when people die, I make jokes. Yeah. Like when family members die, I make jokes about it. And they're not like throw away like, oh, they're dead. Like they're. They're jokes that I come up with in my head because that's how I deal with trauma. Yeah. Like I've got scars all over my body from when I used to cut myself and I talk about it on stage, but I try to make it funny. Right. And that's just how I cope. But, and I know this because this is the, the, what you're talking about is kind of when I look through some old joke books is kind of when I first started comedy in like 2010, it was very bro style. Oh, like no means yet, like that kind of like just garbage. And I remember looking through a couple months ago, just during the quarantine, looking through one of my old joke books, and I was like, I can't, like, none of this is even funny. Like, it's not even good. Yeah. But like you said, there's there is a way to address that material Mm -hmm. in a more thought provoking, actual funny way instead of just trying to do the shock jock. Yeah. You know. Well, and I don't think there's any like off, um, off limits topics in comedy what's off limits is you know are you are you intentionally trying to hurt somebody are you doing this without an actual like if you're not doing it with an actual punchline or like you're not punching at the right person then i don't think it's like appropriate or yeah you know it's like i think anyone could talk about race issues but you know if you're a white person talking about race issues you know 
white people should be the punchline of the yeah. joke. You well, know? and that's like, so I've got that That's bit. just the, my most, and that to me, that's like the most basic principle that so many people are like, who cares? Yeah. Oh, and that's what bothers me. So, I, and I talked to Brian about this when he was on the show, but I have that bit about, or Marcus, uh, I have that bit about looking like a cop. Yeah, which, and, which he does. And so the whole, but I, I remember coming back from pan- the pandemic and doing a show, I was like, I don't know if I could still do this joke. So I worked the joke in the way to where I am the punchline because mm-hmm. it, one, it's a hilarious story from when we went to that protest for yeah. Black Lives Matter. Um, so it's a super funny story. But at the same time, I didn't want anyone to think I'm provoking like black people are like this and white people are like that because that's right. not the joke. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So like your to your point, there's definitely a way you can do this material and I don't think any material is off limits as long as it's crafted, like you said, as a joke. Yeah. So like Aaron Eads, who's a very funny comic who I'm going to be on Hyperion with um, on Friday, has the joke about 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I die every time he does that joke because right. the premise is so involved and it's so multiple layers and it's so funny. Yeah. But the second he t- opens it with the the whole the, so the opening line is something about 9/11 I'm not going to burn the joke but it's something about 9/11 so as soon as people hear that they're immediately like oh, you can't you can't <laughs> and like you've got some stories about yeah. that too where you as soon as you open up with it people get kind of nervous yeah. but like you said as long as you can make it funny mm-hmm. and that's something that you and I can you better than me obviously you're funniest in the 904 <laughs> that's right but um <laughs> That's something with trauma and negative things that you and I like to do is to try to make it funny. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't work. There are certain yeah. things that I've done on stage, like when we did that show together at Eraser Records, and I that was a few days after um, what happened with my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I it was like that day or the next day. And I was, you know, my uncle had passed and I was in a weird place because of how it happened and what happened. And, and I was like, well, I, I got to do the show. And I went all super dark comedy. And... You can't like just pile on and pile. I mean, you could, and I did, and it went terrible. <laughs> but that's the thing is like some of those bits outside of doing them all together are funny. Yeah. There's funny, there's a humor in the darkness. That's that's why yeah. we do stand up. Well, and you got to, sometimes you got to sprinkle it in, you know. Um... Especially at shows like Jackie Knight's. <laughs> I I did the full rape set at Jackie Knight's. Did you really? You did tell me that. That's what I won with. Um, And I have this one joke because the guy who sexually assaulted me was a football player, and but he was a third string long snapper. God. Um, Nobody likes the long snappers. So I call him uh, the Rudy of rape. (laughs) And. Um, a man in the audience started chanting Rudy. Oh, really? For like 20 seconds and was like, Rudy, Rudy. And what did he, th- he obviously thought he was like helping. Yeah. He, he really thought he was being like super helpful <laughs> with the chant. God. But I mean, no one has literally ever reacted to that joke like that before. So it was so weird. But yeah, I mean,. I guess I win. I won, and um, Cooper was supposed to come to that show, and he didn't. And I still won, even without his stupid vote. Yeah. So fuck Cooper. Um, and then he told everyone he won it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. But yeah, that's um, I don't know. Back to the the NYU. So you're there. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to see a friend at Gotham. Yeah. You or excuse me, a friend of a friend. They crushed. You're watching the show and you realize like, oh, I'm better than all these. Yeah. Fucking idiots. So the friend had done a writing workshop at Gotham. And I had I had written a lot of jokes before. I was very interested in comedy. Um, you know. So when you were doing the jokes at the at group therapy and everything, you weren't just like throwing out random one. Like you were actually like writing also. Well, at the so time. I would I would say something in conversation, and this is actually still how I write a lot of my yeah, jokes. Is I'll say something in conversation, I realize it plays really well, and mm-hmm. then I'll go home and write it down. Yeah, I do the same exact thing. Um, but then I had also written, you know, I had done like stand up sets for talent shows in high school, oh, okay, and in college, and like before NYU. Um, so it was always something I was interested in, you know. I tried out and made it onto some of the like comedy teams at NYU. But then the one that I got on, like every single thing was like, ha dick and balls. And I was like, I Can't don't really stand that. I was like, I don't think these are funny skits if we're just talking about like come 24 seven. Like, and I've got nothing against comics that do that, but I'm always just, I like... mean, it was just very like these 20 year old boys were yeah. in control of writing comedy yeah, yeah. skits and they needed girls to be in it. So I was, so you thinking, know exactly <laughs> what you're getting. And I'm just, I was like, uh, no thanks. Um, but yeah, so I, I take, end up taking the comedy class, like the workshop thing yeah. that the friend had done because, you know, I was like, I really need someone to like show me how to write this more coherently or yeah. like, you know, I also don't necessarily want to like go to an open mic day one with like these ideas that I have in my head because, you know, people can kind of suck. And like, especially when you just start doing comedy, I think comedians can be kind of cruel. Yeah. Um, Which is why I make it a point to never talk to anyone that's new because I don't want to, because I, I mean, I have a tendency to like be very snarky kind of unintentionally. Yeah, I do the same um, thing. Well, like what I said to you at Hyperion, and then I messaged you about one of the podcasts. Yeah, so just full disclosure, <laughs> I came, I went to Hyperion, and I was super- You were super, wearing a lot of podcast gear. Yeah, I was. So, well, I was wearing which is embarrassing. my Thick Boy Nation hat, my Thick Boy Nation mask. Um, shout out to Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura from uh, Two Bears, One Cave. But then I also had Zach Bennett's um, Last Laugh, yeah. which is a Daytona show that we've all done. I had that t-shirt on, mm-hmm. and you were like, you look like a walking podcast promo. <laughs> And I chuckled and I go, well, funny, fun fact, I actually started doing a podcast because I had been talking about it for a long time, but I actually started doing it. And then you looked right at me. And when I, when I started this podcast up, I know I had, I, the idea came like 12 years ago, but when I actually started doing it, you were one of the, you, Brian and Marcus, I, and maybe Buck were like the first people that popped into my head that I wanted to have on as guests. And especially because your stories fit the theme of the show so much better. So I was like, I got to get Daisy on. And you look me dead in the eye and you go, that's dumb. Everyone has a podcast. Don't tell anybody about this. And I literally was like so heartbroken and like... But I was like, oh, she's probably just messing with me. But there was a big part of me in my soul where I was like... Well, I guess Daisy's not going to be on the show. And then what has it been like a month and a half later? You text me and you go, hey, yeah, I'd love to be on the show. Yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah. got her. Well, and it's like, because sometimes I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to like rib with you a little yeah. bit and be, you know, a little We're pizzazz. busting balls. Hey. hey. You know, but um, 
it comes out a lot meaner <laughs> with my voice than I like yeah. mean it to be. So that's why, I mean, that's why a lot of people who start doing comedy here, I think, I think maybe think that I'm really mean yeah. or like that I hate them because it's honestly a conscious choice in my head to not go up to someone and be like, you know, hey, that really sucked. You know, yeah. I don't want to. Well, that's the thing too is when people first start doing comedy, I did it on and off for 10 years and then when I or eight years and then when I came back, I was garbage. Yeah. So it's like, what are you going to say? Well, like, it's also like I always hated getting unsolicited feedback. I can't stand it. If I want your advice, I'll ask for it. Well, and look, love Joey Nickel, but he gives so much unsolicited feedback. He was the first person to talk to me when I started doing comedy here. And he immediately after my study comes up and he's like, maybe you should ditch the whole rape thing. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I, was, um, I got nothing against Joey Nickel, but. And I was like. I if, was that's like, like someone coming up to me and being like, hey, maybe less about like the alcoholism the stuff. Alcoholism yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I was because the first set I did in Jack's, I was home for spring break from college and um, I was Monday at Rain Dogs, dead silent the entire time. Yeah. Which I then later did that set at Gotham to a sold out crowd and it fucking Crushed. killed. Yeah. But then, it's I mean, literally two I mean. weeks later. And then on Thursday, I went to Dahlia's and I did the same thing and I got booed. <laughs> um, but apparently it was an off night because then Christina found out about it later. And when I moved back home after college, she like pulled me aside and was like, I am so sorry. No one told me about the booing. Oh, really? Like, there were only like three people inside. I also yeah. told a joke that was making fun of the Jaguars, which people did not like. Yeah. Um, which is that my mom thought that they were an arena football team. You did tell me. Yeah. <laughs> for, That's lived, a good joke. We've lived here for a long time, and only like two years ago did she figure out they were not an arena football team. Yeah, it was probably three <laughs> years ago when we actually had that really good season. No, it was. It was. <laughs> that <laughs> oh man um but then so you did you dive in were you like um this is what i'm doing now uh, yeah so i took the class and then the the woman who was like leading the workshop i she's our first assignment was to write like three minutes of jokes yeah and then she'd give us notes and i went last because i was like super nervous yeah. and and um, for those of you listening three minutes is a lot longer than you think it is especially when me. you're starting yeah uh, everyone's you, like five minutes i'll just get up there and riff and i'm like all right good luck have fun yeah, with that yeah um so but i i wrote like 10 minutes of jokes that night um before and so i did th about three of them and we're going and she gives everybody else these like detailed notes on their like little sets and stuff and she gets to me and I finish and everyone's like, I don't know. This is the only other time I've had this feeling is the first time that I did a 2K test in rowing. Okay. And I beat the senior captain on time. Fuck the yeah. first time I ever got on an erg. And I was like, I'm maybe I'm good at this. Yeah. And after I finished, everyone's like bursting out laughing my whole set. And the, my, the teacher's like, she's like, I mean, I don't really have any notes. I mean, that those were all like perfectly crafted jokes like the setup the punchline the timing like you those are great yeah and you know obviously i wasn't like every joke i'm ever gonna write is gonna be a banger like that's <laughs> not how it went but it it gave me a ton of confidence to feel like i could do it yeah having someone else tell me you know no those were all actually very funny and like you have the timing to make it work and you you've got the whole whatever of it down um, I was going to try to use a French word, but pff, no thanks. Um, 
yeah, so, you know, kept doing that. And then it was about an eight week long thing. Um, and about week three, um, you know, she had given, given someone else some advice, like write about something that makes you angry. Like it's really easy to write jokes about things that you're angry about because they're the things you have the most opinions about. Yeah. And you're passionate. And you're passionate. Even if it's not happy passion i mean you you have a passion for hating it so yeah. there's something there that's my entire set <laughs> yeah so i went home and i decided to write a bunch of jokes about getting raped because i was like you know what yeah. i hated this more than anything else in my life and um i went for it and the next day i come in and everyone is just like you know my favorite sound in comedy is when you tell a joke it's really Right on that edge, and everyone's like, <gasps> Yeah, or like, oh. you know, like they make those very specific, like, concern sounds, yeah, 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 and then it kind of melts away, and people start to start laughing a little bit. And, um, that's my favorite sound and when that you was... open, and then you hear the gat, like the, <gasps> and then and people then you start keep going, and then people yeah. start, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, that's when I really was like, Okay, no, this is this is like where I need to write right now. And, um, I worked on that set for a very long time before I performed it at the club. But, you know, I went in New York. What's nice is they have like women's only open mics and they have all these different, you know, places you can go to do comedy. So, you know, I would like skip class and go to a mic. And then there's my TA that was also skipping class at the mic. And, Oh, that's awesome. You know, it's like, and we're like, okay, we're not going to tell each other that we're here. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, but you know it's it was cool to have um that space to like start because i think if i had just gone to open mics in new york and just done it i would have been really overwhelmed yeah for sure um, cuz it's it's it can be kind of hard to network but then i that came with and i remember at the time <laughs> thinking in this workshop i was like there's only 5 women in this 20 person workshop insane there's only like three women's only mics on a friday what's that about and then i come to jacksonville and they're like okay we've got like three to six female comics maybe period yeah end of uh, so have fun and i was yeah. like oh, i can't believe what a rube i was to yeah. be like yeah well it's weird too because um <clears throat> with what you're saying with the class and having that almost not almost but having that validation it's definitely something where you're like, oh, like I can do this. And I know obviously like you're talking about with rowing and like with me with football, it's when you get that first like, okay, yeah, maybe there's something here, yeah. which is I have kind of a, a different experience because when I started doing stand-up, it was because I loved watching stand-up yeah. from when I was like six. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going to open mics in South Florida, but this is when I was still drinking and doing drugs and everything. So I was just getting like fucked up and doing open mics and just bombing, but I didn't care because I liked being on stage. And then as I kind of grew as a person and then, you know, got sober and then fell off and got sober, fell off. I started to realize it's not about making people chuckle with dick jokes. It's about now after everything I had been through, I similar, obviously not the same situation, but going through some of such like this turmoil and darkness and stuff, I was like, Oh, now I've got something to say. Mm -hmm. And the only way I know how to say it is as a joke. Right. Well, a big part of me for the, of it for me was like the healing aspect of it all is that like me being able to get up and tell these jokes is kind of like a declaration that, 
you know, it doesn't have as much of a hold on me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I did my first show at Gotham, which I technically opened for Jerry Seinfeld in that show. Boom. There it uh, is. Which I love telling people because it's such a technically. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he did a drop in at Gotham that night because the, the, it was sold out. Um, cause I tricked everyone I knew <laughs> into coming that night, which was so amazing. I mean, to have all those people yeah. and, you know, then they brought people. And then of course, like the people that they brought are now like my biggest fans because yeah, yeah. it's, you know, your friends are like, whatever, fuck you. But oh, then, yeah. you know, your, your friends are your friends or like one of my friends' moms is like my super fan. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so it's like stuff like that's always kind of cool. And, you know, they all came, but yeah, Jerry Seinfeld dropped in and did like a 15 minute set about those flex seal commercials. Yeah. You know, like, I just sawed this boat in half. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, so I technically opened for Jerry Seinfeld because he's he did- Flex Seal and you're doing your, and I'm your like, well-crafted hey, bit about rape. And I'm he's like, like, Rudy, a rape. And he's yeah. like, I just sawed this boat in half. What's the deal with <laughs> yeah. the flex tape? Oh, uh, we are both really bad at Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't do impressions anymore. Um, um, I did want to ask you, you, accident- you thought you accidentally took meth? So it's up for debate. When was um, this? Was this, this at NYU? This was my senior year of high school, or at, right after my senior okay. year of high school. So I was 18. Um, and it actually happened, which I didn't realize until driving over here, about a mile from where we are right now. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I was... Just, um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but full disclosure, of course, everyone who listens to the podcast knows I always like my guests to come in with a couple of crazy stories and as soon as daisy walked in i said so do you have any stories about like drinking or drugs or anything like that she goes yeah well there is the time i think i accidentally took meth so i definitely wanted to get to that so yeah yeah now a mile from the house so, what happens no i mean like where you are now yeah, yeah in my house now yeah yeah we are very nearby to where this happened um i was talking to this dude at the time and i mean first of all he was short he was like five seven huge red flag um you know how i feel yeah, yeah I, know, you know I, know, I, feel. I know exactly um, how you feel about that um and he was like a club promoter but he had just uh. retired from selling drugs so uh. yeah I, this look, what what look 18 year old daisy was on one all the time <laughs> yeah this is definitely not the daisy that i know <laughs> This Daisy's been hardened by <laughs> trauma yeah. and got way less annoying. Um, thanks, PTSD. Um, and all those <laughs> antidepressants. I mean, they've really made me way more. <laughs> um, yeah, so I go over there and he's like, do you want to do ecstasy? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, I didn't go over there with the intention to do drugs. Um because he had just retired at the ripe old age of 21 from being a drug dealer. Yeah. And I guess he like sold his like client list because I've watched a lot of Law and Order. So I know that that's yeah. a thing. Um, well, sold- it's also a thing in insurance. Yeah. So I think it's a thing in like any yeah. industry. Really. <laughs> any sales industry. I <laughs> yeah. think that's a thing. So he sold his client list to a friend and then kind of as a thank you gave him some drugs in addition to like the money yeah. for the list. And he's like, well, I got this free ecstasy. And I was like, I mean, sure, why not? Um, and we consume the drugs. 
And it's been like two hours now. And I don't feel a fucking thing. Yeah. I'm like, I think you got like glass ecstasy. This is like glass shards. Like this is not (laughs) even like, this is not even like anything in here. Yeah. It's been two hours. I feel like, and not that I, this is the first time I'd ever done drugs of any kind. I'd never drank before this. I had never, yeah, never done drugs. I mean, I like stole a cigarette from my mom once in high school and like smoked it in the bathroom and then threw up. Yeah. Because um, I thought I would smoke the whole thing because I'm an idiot. But Hell no. <laughs> um, and then now I'm like vaping all the time. Um, but yeah, so two hours, I don't feel a fucking thing. Um, and again, cause I didn't plan, I didn't go there with the intention to do drugs. I had some errands to run for my mom on my way home. <laughs> um, well, I, I have to go to Target to pick up some bar stools. Okay. So I go to Target, uh, the one on, uh, I think it's Southside. Okay. Okay. Um, and before I leave, I look in the mirror <laughs> and I am covered like, neck down in hickeys really and it's like the it i mean it looks like i got attacked by a swarm of bees yeah like it's it's really bad and i'm like are you fucking kidding me yeah like not un i'm uninterested in this from the club promoter with the bum drugs (laughs) like (laughs) i'm i'm really unhappy so I find a scarf in the car, and it's, like, hot outside. Yeah, it's Florida, yeah. So I'm, like, trying to wear a scarf with shorts. It's called fashion, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I'm wearing, like, a it's very, it's very 2014 outfit. I'm wearing, like, a denim button-up with, like, a scarf. And I've got, like, I've, like, bedazzled it a little bit with, like, little studs. Yeah. Um, I go into the Target... And I go looking for the specific bar stools that my mom want wanted. Um, and I'm looking at the bar stools and I've just called an associate over because I found the bar stools that I want. And just all of a sudden, everything becomes about a hundred times more target. Okay. Like target is fucking target, man. Yeah. Like it is. The colors are way targetier. <laughs> the air is a lot targetier. The sounds. I mean, my eyes must have looked like fucking flying saucers yeah, because yeah. the associate comes over and he's like, can I help you? And I was like, I need the bar stools, man. Load them up. So he's taking them over. I'm like basically wading around in the waters of the Target. Is what <laughs> it feels like to me. Um, and I have to go to the makeup aisle. Because I don't have any makeup in my car, and I have you're covered in. I am covered in hickeys, and I'm 18, so it's like I know my mom isn't going to be like super jazzed about that one. (laughs) Because one time I came home from a football game with a hickey, and my mom's like, "He's he's branding you, Daisy," (laughs) and I was like, "It goes away." Like I don't, anyways. So (laughs) I I go and get. uh, I ended up buying about three hundred dollars worth of makeup and because I was like, this is what I need to do. Like none of the decisions I make this evening make any sense, but I, um, so I load up the car and I have a Lincoln town car at the time. Um, bench seats in the front, just smooth ride. Yeah. Uh, Her name was Bertha. You could like literally fit 
like two or three bodies in that trunk. Heck so, yeah. Like almost all the bar stools fit in the trunk without a problem. And I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, I'm high on something right now. I've been told it's ecstasy and I have to get home. But like, it's not safe to be on drugs and drive. No. I know what I'll do. I'll call my friends and <laughs> talk to them while I drive <laughs> so that I don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, so I start calling literally everyone I know and I'm like, Hey, I'm on drugs right now. Oh God. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in the car. I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm on drugs. And I'm like talking a million miles an hour about just nothing. Yeah. You know? Um, and it was, it was insane. I get home and I'm, I have enough wherewithal to be like, I have to get the bar stools out of the car and put them in the living room and not talk out loud to my mom yeah i need to be silent and of course she says like hey how was target i'm like it was great target was awesome i love target um target <laughs> was really cool today i got all the bar stools okay bye and then i run upstairs yeah. and i have the energy of like you know a puma at this point um and i start having to get that feeling of having to chew on stuff yeah and I couldn't find any gum. And I knew we had gum downstairs. But if I went downstairs, then I ran the risk of having to talk to my mom. Yeah. Which I knew would be disastrous. Um, so I found what I considered to be the next best thing. My room, which was note cards. Okay. Um, you want to take a gander of how many note cards I ate that night? Twelve. You're very close. It was about 15 note cards. You just chewed on them? I, I chewed them. And then they kind of went into the ball, yeah. and then they just dissolved. And I was just chewing note yeah. cards all night long. That's definitely an upper thing, because the teeth grinding is definitely an yeah. upper thing. And then I decided it would be a really good idea. I, I wanted to take a bath <laughs> and then also like wear clothes, but then also not wear clothes. But then also I wanted to do every possible combination I could of bath and clothes. Okay. So lay in the bathtub with no water with, with clothes. Okay. Then no water without clothes. So just naked in a bathtub, nothing else going on. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going preparing for suicide. (laughs) And then I was like, now I'm going to take a bath with water, like regular boring. And then I'm going to take a bath with clothes. And I just, I did that for a couple hours. Did you really? Yeah. Oh God. I just did that cycle. Uh, Kept calling everyone I knew. Um, I stayed up all night. Um, I believe I was like blasting like tame Impala in my room and like jumping on my, my bedroom was like right above my parents' room. So I'm parents, like, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm did like they jumping. come up and say like, hey, what's going on? No, not nothing. I think my dad was out of town, so it wasn't. Okay. You know, it was just my mom, and I'm like flipping out upstairs. I'm doing like somersaults in my room. I mean, I was like, I, I don't, I've never done a somersault in my life. Okay, <laughs> and here I am. I'm like, woo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the next day, it's like time to go to school, and I'm finally starting to like calm down i think i ended up sleeping for about 30 minutes and i have hickeys all over me and i'm like this is the dumbest fucking thing i've ever done in my life so i'm having to wear my summer scarf um which i mean it wasn't even summer but i was like having to wear the scarf to cover everything and i had like you know 10 layers of foundation on my neck and um the reason why i now believe it to be meth 
So I was talking to some more of the seasoned drug users in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, the, is this at the time or is this, this recently? This was later. Or? This was very recently. Because at first I was like, oh, this is the time I did ecstasy on a target. And now it's like, no, I'm pretty sure I accidentally did meth. So like the specifics of like the feelings I had when I was high, they were like, yeah, that's meth. And then the way I consumed it, it was like chips almost mm-hmm. that I like chewed on. And yeah, that's it tasted not... like fucking battery acid. Yeah, it's, it tastes and, like fiberglass. And they were like, yeah, no, that's meth, honey. And I was like, oh, sweet, I've done meth. Yeah. And you know what? If someone gave it to me, I'd probably fucking do it again because it was great. It's intense. And then I felt like shit for two weeks after. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, it takes so much out of you. It completely depleted any of my brain chemicals. Yeah. And I felt, I was like, I was so bad after that. I mean, thankfully, I'd already tried to kill myself like two times before that. So I was like, (laughs) okay, I know what happens if I try to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because with meth... um, Meth, I know crack is a lot like this. Coke, not so much because it's more of a pure, it's yeah. less like chemical, chemical based. But you get the like the pickings and like you're itchy all over and you start grinding your teeth. Yeah. And you're just awake all the time. I mean, and like the next day, I still had a little bit of it going on. And I had like the best rowing practice of my life that yeah. next day because I was like, I'm fu- I could fucking lift a car right yeah, now. Yeah, let's go. Um, and I'm like covered in hickeys, pulling great splits, <laughs> <laughs> coming down from meth. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned it, rowing. You were a college rower. Yep. I was a- Did you, you row at NYU or no? Uh, I rode on their club team. Actually, four years ago today, I won a bunch of races at a regatta with NYU. I saw that on your, you yeah, tweeted that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a, it was, that was like my comeback, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, uh, all these people are kind of bad at rowing and I don't really want to do it again. Yeah. Cause you were originally, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I was a D1 athlete. Uh, I went to, um, the university of Kansas, um, which yeah, uh, went there was a D1 athlete at, at KU that I ended up transferring because of the whole, you know, <laughs> rape thing. Um, <laughs> the way you always throw it out there. <laughs> you know, that I just, I just feel like I have to say it as goofy as possible so someone who's listening, like, and, and this is, I do this in comedy, I do this, like, with everything, where I'm like, I kind of got to throw it away and make it sound goofy so I feel like it protects both myself and others from the concept of the word sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, rape, you know, like a, like a slide hey, whistle uh, kind of thing. I yeah. can't even do it. Um, <laughs> so you, you were so at I, Kansas. I, yeah. Then I transferred out and when I was at NYU, I joined the club team and then I, everyone was like really bad at rowing on the club team. Yeah. It's a club team. Uh, Cause it's a club team. And that pissed me off a lot because I of course thought I was like the greatest athlete of all time. Mm-hmm. As and we do. Yeah, and I was like very disrespected by you know the way they conducted themselves, and you know. What do you guys think? This is just for fun? Well, it's a club team, yeah. yeah and, and I was also coaching rowing at the time at a nonprofit in New York, um, and I was actually coaching through Coach Across America, which is a like a Teach for America. It's like sort Teach of thing? for America with coaches, yeah. Um, and they told me they were going to pay me, you know, minimum wage for, as a stipend. Um, and then for only like 15 hours of work a week. And then I was having to work like 40 hours a week on top of getting up at four in the morning oh, to go God. drive to New Jersey to go row and like a full fucking school schedule. And I was like, I quit everything but school. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do it. But um, yeah, so I was at Kansas before and um, I don't know if you know this, but do you know that Lawrence, Kansas is the most hungover city 
in America. No, I did not. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much describes my time there. I had never drank before I got to college. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah. So, so I, when you got there, I don't mean to interrupt you, but when you yeah, got there, that's like the my fucking catchphrase in this fucking <laughs> podcast. I didn't mean to interrupt, but when you got there, though, you so you're from Jacksonville. Yeah. Well, so, you, so I'm from Dallas originally. Okay. But, but when I, you were rowing in high school. Yeah, both, both places. Okay. Because I'd only been in Jacksonville like maybe 15 months. Okay. But before, then did you yeah. get, you got recruited out of high school to row? Yeah. And then you were like, all right, I'm going to go to Kansas. I'm going to row. And yeah. then what is that like? Because I took a semester in between high school and college. So I kind of like did a lot of like partying with friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I kind of like had that experience before I actually went to play college football. So for you to go up there, I know that can be kind of where you like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, like I felt like I had made, you know, because I hadn't been in Jacksonville that long, I didn't have like a bunch of friends mm-hmm. to like go do stuff with. Or like if they did, it was always like, something out of like a very deranged teen movie you know yeah. it's like like they are the types of people where like the urban legend of the rainbow party like that's where that would have come from <laughs> like and a thing that they would have gone to would have been like they were having a rainbow party and everyone would be like no they're not that's not a real thing or whatever so i just like didn't really want like i loved them all but i didn't i was like kind of scared to hang out with any of them in yeah. high school yeah <laughs> like outside of like school um, and then also everyone on my rowing team thought I was a huge loser, um, which I found about later because I always had this sinking suspicion that they were like talking about me behind my back. And then like last year they were like, oh yeah, we were always talking about you behind yeah, your back. Yeah. Don't you hate when you're <laughs> fucking right about that shit? And they're like, yeah, we were always talking in the parking lot about what a loser you were. God. I'm like, I mean, you guys could have just not told me and I would have yeah. been fine for the rest of my life. Well, the thing that bothers me is like we were talking about earlier is like people think we're the crazy ones. It's like, I'm right. I'm not right, crazy. Yeah. I'm right. Well, and then they were like, well, once we actually started to get to know you, you were really cool. And I'm like, That's, fuck it. I mean, it's like two things I really hate is like the presumptions about me because of, you know, either how I come off or if I look scary or whatever. But then also like the concept of people like everyone doing something without me. Yeah. Like those, both of those things are like my extreme sore spots. So, yeah. So, I just, I just didn't. I all I did was row the summer between high school and college. Yeah. I just rowed, trained. Um, you know, I think I went to the beach a couple of times. Um, and then when I got to Kansas, because we had to get there like three weeks early, I think, yeah. um, to do start training and just. It's a fall sport, right? So it's 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 mainly spring, but it is fall spring. Um, the fall season is kind of like cross country, where you're doing distance. Okay. And then the spring season is sh- shorter races, the two thousand meter race, okay. and that's like the gold standard. Yeah. Um, but they have head races in the fall, which is that's like head of the Charles and kind of all those idyllic images you would see of rowing would probably be head races. Okay, so you yeah. get there a few weeks early. You get there a few weeks early, and. Um, like probably the second or third night were there is... And you're living on campus at this point? So I actually was living in... Because fr- rowers were not given preference for dorms like other sports were. Yeah. Um, because... I'm assuming in Kansas, basketball was the number one. Basketball was number one. Football got a lot of preference. Thank God, they're garbage. Um, yeah. No. I mean, 
it adds so much insult to injury to know how bad they are yeah. in football. Like everything that happened, I'm like, and you guys are bad at it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if you were covering up for someone who was like very good at yeah. football, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I get it. And I'm like, third string long snapper, worst team in, in the, the NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> it pisses me off so You're much. Still trying to cover it up. I'm like, he's literally nothing. He's a nothing person. And not even for like the bad stuff. He just is a nothing yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my our first, I think maybe third night there, um, you know, when we all, we're all like bigger girls, we're all like 5'10", in that, you know, 5'8", to five, you know, six foot range. Everyone's kind of like beefier because we all you know lots of muscle some of these girls had never done rowing before but they were like volleyball players or softball players or so were they recruited to row yep because you need the length that's why you need the yeah height. so there there's a lot of times there are schools in the midwest if there's not a lot of people that want to row maybe like people don't necessarily want to row there but they have a good rowing program what they'll do is they'll recruit basketball players volleyball players anyone who has the physical type to be good at rowing yeah. and then teach them how to row yeah give them a scholarship teach yeah. them how to row yeah and it works it works pretty well for a lot of different places but um like third night we all decide to go out to shark night which is the frats all open up their houses on the same night. Oh, that's sweet. It's like an open house. Yeah, it's super sweet. Shark night. Ah, fresh bait. Get it? Ha, ha, yeah, ha. Yeah. Super predatory. Um, so we all decided to go out to... And they just put it right there in the name. Yeah. No, they're like... they No shame. I can't fucking stand that. That's like when guys come up to me at the gym. They're like, Yo, did you check out that chick? There's so much pussy in here. I'm like, dude. Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, please leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought it'd be fun. And it's like, again, I had never had alcohol before in my life, except for like the one time that I accidentally drank half of my mom's margarita because I thought it was lemonade um, when I was like nine. <laughs> so so that doesn't count. But that doesn't count. Um, and then I think I had a sip of like an Irish coffee before that, you know, my cousin, which yeah. again, doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> no, that's not. Um, and we start going around and I, again, I'm having like a fucking blast. I mean, I think I had like UV blue as like my God. starter. Yeah, you know, it's I forgot like, about that. Like all the shitty college-based liquors you can yeah. have. You know, shit ton of Fireball. Um, Everything super sugar, super flavored. Super flavor. I had at least four colors of UV that night. You know, there was like whipped cream flavored uh, vodka yeah. involved. Um, but, I mean, there's. I'll have to send you some of the pictures when we're done of what I looked like at the end of that evening. Yeah. But, you know, we were at like Frat House 3, and I'm drunk at this time. And, you know, one of my teammates keeps going missing and like wandering off. And we're like, don't. And like now she's my absolute best friend, like total soulmate. But at the time we had just kind of met each other. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Kaylin, like, don't leave the group. And she'd be like, okay. And then we'd like turn around and she'd be fucking gone. <laughs> so we're at this frat house. We're like looking around for her. And I walk in and I go, Hey, everybody, I'm taller than everybody here. <laughs> Thinking this is going to go over really well because yeah. I'm a five foot ten girl wearing like six inch platform heels. Um, and then I walk up to this really like short dude who's manning the alcohol table. <laughs> like, I mean, he was he was shorter than me without the heels. So yeah. I, I walk up to the table. There's a like a half. Oh, half drunk handle of like, you know, Stolly vodka yeah. on the table and I pick it up. Stolly. Stolly it. 
Get it? Oh, <laughs> excellent puns. Comedy. Um, I grab it and then I walk out and I yell, I'm a feminist. <laughs> and that was, and then I see Kaylin and some creepy dude is like cornered her outside by a ledge and I like grab her and I'm like, we're leaving. We're out of here. <laughs> Um, and that was like my, that was, I mean, the first night I went out was actually super fun and like yeah. goofy and stupid. And so I know you do the bit about um, picking guys up. Did you actually do that when you were at school? Yeah. So when I was in, uh, my favorite thing to do, there was this bar called uh, The Cave in Lawrence. It's in a basement. Um, but the, the plus of going to The Cave over like The Wheel or um, The Hawk or Bullwinkles was that. They had a coat check. So. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting Kansas. Yeah. It's cold yeah. as shit. So it was really fun to go in the winter because it was like super warm inside because it's like literally a cave. Yeah. And I mean, I've like had the weirdest. I mean, I saw like g Easy at the cave. Like he just came in and did a set one night. That's cool. And, you know, some of the girls on the team, their boyfriends are like some of our managers and stuff. They would work at the cave. Um so we'd get like free VIP wristbands to go sit in the area that actually had like chairs. Yeah. Um, and it was always fun to go to the cave, but um, that was my main place to go looking for people. And I would wear my giant six inch heels and that's how I would, you know, if they were like my height or taller, then I would talk to them um, if I'm wearing the heels. Yeah. Cause they were like my biggest ones where I'm like, I would never wear these every day, yeah. but you know, obviously. Um, and I would like go up and I was such a dick. I would like go up and congratulate dudes on being tall as like a pickup line. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it fucking worked. Did it? <laughs> it worked. Oh, that's bizarre. Um, but I was also like way hotter back then. So it like, I mean, I'm sure that they were just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're talking to me. What's yeah. up? Yeah. Um, but another thing I would do, especially once, you know, I was about, you know, four or five, um, Jayhawk shots in, was I would I would walk up to the tallest dude in the room, and I'd be like, "Hey, I can pick you up." I'd be like, "What?" I'm like, and I'd be like, "Wait on it, wait, hold on a minute." And I would just stoop down and scoop him up by his knees, like a baby, like a baby, and I would just hold him like a baby, <laughs> and he'd be like, "What the fuck?" Put me down. I'd be like, "Okay," and then just like, <laughs> and I would just like walk around and do this. And I mean, I've done it to multiple people who are now NBA players and like <laughs> oh yeah because that you're at Kansas <laughs> I was at Kansas so you know we had like you know Kelly Oubre you know that's <laughs> Kelly Oubre when when you tell that joke on stage that's the person I picture it, is well, Kelly but Oubre. it is I mean it, it really it is and you know uh it was always fun because anytime I got drunk and there was a basketball player they were always way more into my friends than they were ever into me yeah um but I would like loved using it as an opportunity to like make fun of them you okay. know, because it's like all the basketball players really thought that they were just fucking hot shit. Because, I mean, they were. Yeah. But, you know, like um, Bill Self, the coach, his son played basketball while I was there. Tyler Self. I'm taller than Tyler Self. <laughs> like significantly. So. Yeah. And he would walk around like he was fucking hot shit. And I'm like, you've literally never played in a game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And he would say super dickish stuff. And I mean, I remember I swooped him up once and he got really mad. Um, like everyone else thought it was funny because yeah. they all wanted to have sex with my friends. So of <laughs> course, of course they were like, oh yes, ha ha. Uh, your friend is hilarious. Great joke. <laughs> you are the funniest. Right? 
Um, but yeah, no, Tyler was like, put me down. Like a, <laughs> like a petulant little toddler. Um, well, he's a little bubby. He's so small. I just, it, it always brought me so much joy when I would do that. And there's so many pictures of me just like holding random dudes. Yeah, because I know you talk about it on stage and I was like, oh, well, you've never like done that. Like, it's just a joke. It's like for effect. No, and it's on like, my Instagram. Well, yeah, when you yeah. sat down, I was like, do you actually do that? And you're like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um. I mean, now I'm like less strong, so I can't do it as well as I used to, yeah. but- you know, it's like well, the upper body strength from rowing. You probably could. Well, just... it's all legs. Oh, is it? In, in oh, rowing. yeah. Because you gotta. It's it's like doing a jump squat over and over yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. So you could probably just yoink. As long as yeah, as long as I get down the Low right enough, angle yeah. with my knees, then I can do it. But yeah, like you know, someone like Trevor, I can just whip him up in yeah. a second. That's easy. You know, Trevor Johnson's a local comedian who probably weighs about 130 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I, maybe yeah, that's probably it. He's tiny. He's skinny as hell. It's so easy to pick him up, and it's really fun to do. So <laughs> I just recommend it. If you guys run into him, just scoop him up yeah. like a little baby. He's he he actually messaged me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get him on the podcast Good. here soon. Good. That'll be fun. You said it kind of. No, I'm like okay. a truly sincere good. I thought you were like, I'm yeah, not, good. No. Election's coming up. He's going to want to talk politics the whole of time. Of course he does. He's going to try to turn this into Chapo. And he's going to try. <laughs> and you got to watch it. Yeah. Oh, God. Every time I just try and like chit chat with him outside of shows. He's like, and the government's corrupt. <laughs> You're like, I, I know, Trevor. Yeah, but... totally know that. <laughs> Can we talk about something, something else? Something else. Anything else. Well, and I think you relate to this probably as a political science guy where it's like everyone wants to talk politics with you and I feel like after I got my poli-sci degree the last thing I really want to talk about with people is yeah is politics because people are like explain this very lofty people- concept and I'm like I literally like all I know is that everything's fucked all the time yeah there's really nothing we can do about it I tell tables all and the time and you're all gonna ignore me because, for telling you that yeah, it's fucked up yeah you get to if I get to talking to a table at one of the restaurants I work mm-hmm. at and then they find out that I majored in political science they're always like oh my god so what's your take on this or that and I always tell them the same thing I studied it for five years yeah I don't want to talk about it anymore and yeah because sometimes I'll hang out with Buck and he wants to like show me clips of press conferences and stuff and I'm like dude like how do you it's even, exhausting like I can't because he like thinks that we're gonna like engage in a debate, and I'm like the last thing I want to do. I know is talk. <laughs> and the one thing I don't know if they like. I used to have one of my favorite professors, Jeffrey Morton, favorite professor. He used to always say, um, he taught like all. He was the head of the political science department. I think he is now, but he was you know does international affairs, taught international law, mm-hmm. did all that stuff. He used to always say, "There's three things you don't ever talk about with people: finance, religion, and politics." And I took that to heart. And what I've noticed is that, and I'm sure you have the same thing, is that if anybody asks me a question about it, they already have their opinion. Yeah. They're not changing their opinion. They just want me to validate their opinion. Right. So it's like, why? I'm not even going to play this game with you. Yeah. Although I definitely will. I'll push back sometimes. You know, if someone says something to me that's just like flat out wrong, I'll be like, well, you know, okay, here's something I actually studied that like proves yeah. you're wrong. And then usually... It, if it, I'm not trying to change anyone's mind or correct them. I really just want them to leave me alone. And once you start throwing things out like Overton window, they're like, ah, yeah. leave me alone, yeah, yeah. nerd. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, these are all my books. I still have all my books from college. Oh, same. I have like a huge pile of like, you know, because I also 
I double majored in history. And then when I was yep. at Kansas, I had a third major in international relations. Oh, God. Because I kept finishing too much of the degree process. And the NCAA was like, you have to take more classes or else you're like too far in your yeah. degree for your eligibility. So I just kept adding majors. And so I have like all these fucking... <laughs> textbooks yeah i kept all mine i i enjoy going back and looking at them and it's just i have one i think you would like it's like all personal essays and letters from people in world war ii oh that would be really cool it's called like a world beyond flames or something it's in the other room but i have um the uh free free labor free soil free men i got a lot of mcpherson um when it comes to world war ii and then i've got my joke books too nice (laughs) friars club jokes but um (laughs) yeah that's the bizarre thing to me is that people and it's that's what you're talking about. It's like I don't want to change anybody's mind, but at the same time, it's like I don't like you don't want to hear what I have to say. Right. You want what I say to validate what you already think. So like I can't stand it when people are like, well, and then they'll throw out like these little sound bites that they heard on like Tucker Carlson or like CNN or something, and it's like that's a you heard that as a sound bite. Like you don't yeah. even you like, don't even when, know what it means. Yeah, like when background. people are all like, oh, like. They're trying to turn it into social. It's like you understand socialism is an economic platform, like capitalism, not yeah, yeah. Uh, not a political platform. I know that's like my fascism favorite fascism or democracy. Like, yeah, that's my favorite thing. Is I'm like, I love to just be like, what's explain the difference to me between democracy and capitalism, and it breaks people's brains yeah. immediately because they they see capitalism as automatically a function of democracy, and you're like that. No, yeah, economics is completely separate economics from and politics. There's, there's They're two like, different fields of study. It's completely different stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, we're getting off the rails. So plug everything one more time. Thank you so much for being here, of Daisy. Um, and yeah, you can follow me on every social media platform at Fat Steve Buscemi. Fat Steve Buscemi. Perfect. It is, you can find me there. And um, YouTube, Daisy Tackett, watch my comedy. And I've got a show this Sunday at Veterans United. Veterans United here in Jacksonville. Is that the 17th? I, you said it was Well, the I was asking it, like, is it the 17th? And then you were like, uh. Because um, that's a Sunday, right? The 17th is a Saturday. Okay, well, let me. It's this Sunday is what I was told. So it's either the this. The 18th. <laughs> what, this you, Sunday, well, the 18th the thing. at Veterans United. If you follow me at Fat Steve Buscemi, you'll find out. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Follower at Fat Steve Buscemi. Of course, I am your host, Brennan Tassif. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Follow me on everything at Brennan T Comedy. Got a big show at Hyperion tomorrow, the 16th. That's a Friday here in Jacksonville. Um, and we'll talk to you all next week.